Welcome to the first ever interview episode of Creator Club. I am so excited to be sharing interviews with amazingly skilled, talented, and wise creators with you every other week on this podcast. Going forward, you can expect a good old solo episode breaking down your favorite topics in content creation and social media marketing every other week. And on the alternating weeks, I'll be sharing a conversation with a creator who I admire and who I'm sure you will find totally inspiring. Today, we're going to be chatting with Mary Angelica Ferrero, the creator of Honest Hustle, a one-stop shop creative services business that provides entrepreneurs with beautiful branding and visuals that represent them in an honest and authentic way. I've known Mary Angelica for about a year now, and I am so inspired by her. The word hustle is in her business name for a reason. She works harder than almost anyone I know. Mary Angelica and I have a lot in common Sometimes we say that we're twins because we are both super multi-passionate and we both started out on YouTube back in the early days and are passionate about everything from video creation to graphic design. In addition to running her business, Honest Hustle, Mary Angelica also works full-time as a product designer at a tech company and is the mom to an adorable toddler. Plus, as of the recording of this podcast, she's got another little one on the way who might have actually been born by the time you're hearing this. So if that's the case, congratulations, Mary Angelica and family. I am so excited to share this conversation with you where we chat about being multi-passionate, balancing work, a side hustle, and life, and how to craft an unforgettable client experience as a creative services provider. There is so much value in this interview, so I really cannot wait to share it with you. Let's get started. Welcome to the Creator Club Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Steckley, YouTube creator and creative entrepreneur. The Creator Club podcast is a workshop-style show dedicated to teaching creators and entrepreneurs the best strategies for social media marketing and content creation. Whether you're into Instagram, creating on YouTube, trying TikTok, or producing podcasts, this show is made for you. And because here at Creator Club, we believe in teaching everything you know, and that community is more important than competition, this club is open to everyone. Come and join us. Welcome to the show, Marie Angelica. I'm so excited to have you here on the Creator Club podcast. Would you mind starting by introducing yourself to everybody? Tell us what you do. What's your story? How did you become the awesome creative entrepreneur that you are today? Oh, that's it's so sweet. Um, thank you. I'm super pumped. This is um, this is super exciting to be on your podcast. I listen to it, so to be uh, able to listen to myself on it, it's going to be really trippy. Um, so uh, yes, my name is Mary Angelica. I run a business called Honest Hustle. And I, um, I don't know, I guess I'm like a baby serial entrepreneur. <laughs> um, I just love the idea of businesses. I love the idea of coming up with different ways to make a living. And, um, and I think like financial security has always been super important to me. So uh, somehow I have not been able to feel that from like a full time just because of the world. And I find that I need to have kind of a little bit of control, um, over some of those things. So I've always just found a way to do things on the side and, and that's what it's been. It's always been things on the side. I've always done things on the side, photography on the side. I did graphic design on the side. I've done videos on the side. And, uh, and then finally, um, a year ago, actually a year ago, almost exactly. Um, I launched honest hustle and this has been the most legit thing (laughs) I've done. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is awesome. So what I love so much about you and your story is that, and it's something we have in common, that you're so multi-talented. Like you do video, photo, graphic design. I'd love to hear more about how you discovered your passion for each of those different interests. Like, did you start out with one as your sort of like intro to the world of creative, you know, kind of skills and then start learning about other stuff? Or was it all at once? Like, how did you become like such a jack of all trades? Yeah. Um, and that's true. I know we've, we've connected a lot over um, just loving all of the things and wanting to do all of the things. And I think there's many people like us. I, I don't think we're super odd um, or super different in that way. I think being multi-passionate is super exciting. It's thrilling and you can't ever be bored. So it's great. Um, yeah, for sure. I started with with a few things and it depends how far back you go, right? I mean, art has always been super interesting to me. Um, I did that through uh, through high school and then took a graphic design class and decided that graphic design was the way I was going to go. But then I loved making home movies and videos. And Katie knows very well I was on YouTube <laughs> early yeah. in the day, um, but did not did not last. Uh, there was a parental issues with me being on the internet. The, scary mm-hmm, the internet. struggle the internet (laughs) but um so yeah making videos like I I I vlogged my entire last two years of high school and so making videos with my friends was like my most favorite thing to do so I thought well could that be a career um and and it was hard to decide between actually between graphic design and video at the time but I made a decision for graphic design and went to school uh for that so you know through that, you kind of start to be told that you're going to be one thing, like you're going to pick a career when you're going to get a job title, and that's going to be your job title. So when I graduated and became a graphic designer, then like that's what I became. And um, I'd always done so many things. So it was really trippy to then at that point be one thing. Um, and it didn't last long. <laughs> I very quickly opened up um, a wedding photography business and did a ton of wedding photography. So I'd always say, hey, um, I'm Mary Angelica. I'm a graphic designer, but I do wedding photography on the side. And that was kind of like my my thing, my elevator pitch of who I was. And that lasted for a while. And then I started liking a bunch of other things. You know, you just kind of, that creative spirit just cannot be, <laughs> cannot mm-hmm. be quieted down. And you just try a bunch of different things here and there. And so um, you know, illustration kind of came a little bit after that and creative writing's always been a huge passion mm-hmm. just with journaling. So yeah, being multi-passionate was difficult when I decided that I wanted to start a legitimate business. And I made that decision because I was on maternity leave with my first son. And I realized very quickly after I went on maternity leave that now all of a sudden my title was mother. And so I wasn't you know, I couldn't really say, and at that point it switched. So I was a product designer, UX designer. And so I, I couldn't say that when I introduced myself, I'd say, oh, hi, uh, yeah, my mom, I'm, I'm on mat leave. <laughs> and, um, and then I realized when I went back to work or when I was going to go back to work that I was going to be having to say, hey, I'm a product designer and that's it. Because when you're a mom, you just have time to be a mom, right? And so you just get home and you make dinner and you feed the kid and all this stuff. And so Um, I got really nervous about going back to work and having to be one thing. So that's when I actually decided to start this business. And Honest Hustle is, it is a kind of a one-stop shop creative studio. And that's because I was like, screw it. I don't want to pick one thing. Uh, I'm going to be resentful of something. I don't want to be resentful of my kid. I don't want to be resentful of my job. I want to be able to do all the things. So let's just try it. And 
And you're right. There's a ton of podcasts and things out there that will tell you to niche down really specifically mm-hmm. and pick one thing. And it's not that it won't work. It's mm-hmm. just that I, I just think it was not ever going to work for me. It was going to resent being one thing. So I decided mm-hmm. to put everything I love and know how to do together and say, here I am. I am a buffet of services <laughs> and, um, and I can help and people holistically that way. I don't feel mm-hmm. so uh, you know, broken down by a project. I'm, I'm able mm-hmm. to just think more creatively and just figure out what skills do I have that are going to help this person in their business. And I think that has helped in making this business successful because it is more holistic mm-hmm. thinking rather than come here for a project and leave. Yeah. And I love that. I think that there is so much pressure to niche down. Like everybody, if you read the advice online, it'll say like, pick one thing, be known for that. And there's definitely value in that. But I'm actually finding like in my own journey with my like creative service agency, that there is a lot of value in being the one-stop shop and that sort of like creative service buffet, because what you're actually like offering is not just photography or videography. You're offering like the expertise of an entire package of saying like, I can actually help you figure out what is going to be most valuable to you. So rather than just coming to me and saying, okay, I want a video or, oh, I need photos. Instead, it can be, you know what? I need help with my entire brand, my entire media image, like what's going to be most valuable to me. And I feel like when you do have such a wide range of expertise, you can help people with that and guide them in the direction that's going to give them the most bang for their buck, be most valuable to them. And you have, like you were saying, like a holistic view of everything that's going on. So yeah, I love that you've decided to go that route. Yeah. And it's exactly it. It's, it's having the capacity to listen to what your client is not telling you and, you know, hearing really clearly that when they come to you and ask for a logo, that's just because they think they need a logo. That's not because they in their hearts truly know that that's what they need. So having that ability to like see beyond that is I think what makes this whole idea so successful. It's, it is exactly that it's knowing that you're not here to, you know, make a quick logo, a quick buck and then leave. It's Mm -hmm. how can we help you actually have success in your business? And maybe the logo is not the right place to start. (laughs) Like maybe we haven't even figured out the mission. (laughs) Exactly. And I love that. I feel like that's so wise listening to what your client isn't telling you because so often people, they have a solution already in their mind, but in reality, it's much better for them to come to you with the problem and then you can help them solve it. So have you ever had any circumstances where you've had like a client come to you and they think that they need one thing and then you've been able to kind of say, actually, you know what, I've got these other services that I think would better serve you? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I like, that's more often the case and it's Mm -hmm. mostly my fault. (laughs) It's usually, uh, it's usually a client wanting to hop on a call. Um, you know, they're interested or they want to, they're interested in seeing how we can work together and we hop on a call and they're saying, Hey, I saw that you did, um, that you helped this person with, uh, with their email marketing stuff. So I want to do something like that. So I think I need help with my emails. And, uh, and so we're talking and as we're talking, I obviously need to know more. I need to know what's the business about, like, how long have you been doing this? Like, what kind of, where are you making your money? How can we kind of help you, um, you know, grow that. And as we talked, so like the most recent thing that happened was someone came specifically for email marketing help. And, uh, as we talked, we realized that she has this online course that she actually like has to send these manual emails, like throughout someone taking their course and every email has the homework piece to it. And she knew nothing about, um, like an online course platform. 
And wow. so as we were talking, I was like, why are you sending this manual email? It's like, that must, that just sounds like so much work and time. And, and that's one of the things I'm super keen on is like, how can we maximize your time? And, uh, and anyway, so it ended up being a much larger project where we actually ended up, you know, yes, we did some email marketing stuff, but then we actually shifted her entire course to an online platform. We're able to put the homework things in there, cleaned up some of the videos to be able to do that. So it became a huge project at the end of the day. And, and and, I th and she was super grateful the entire time. I think that's part of it too. It's sometimes as, especially when you're starting a business, you think, oh, I'm just gonna, like, this is what the client wants. So that's what I'm going to do. And like, that's it. I don't want to seem pushy. I don't want to feel like I'm trying to mm -hmm. upsell someone on anything. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming at it from a good place, like if you're coming from it authentically wanting to help this person be like, you do not need to be sending manual emails, mm -hmm. um, then, then I think it comes across really naturally. And I think that's what she connected with really clearly was like, yeah, of course I, I want that help. I don't want to be doing this manually. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it became a larger project, which in turn becomes a larger relationship because you're working together for a longer period of time. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of wins in being able to, you know, kind of shift a project more to what the client actually needs. Um, mm -hmm. not what they want. Yes, totally. From like a business perspective, it works well because it kind of is an upsell, though that's not like the purpose behind it, but it does allow you to have a bigger project, but it also just serves your customer in a better way because you're actually getting at what they need. And then you kind of go from just being, you know, like a skilled service provider, let's say a photographer, videographer, you go to being like their creative guide in some ways, like guiding them through what is actually going to be beneficial to them. And I just think it's great to be able to incorporate all of that rather than leaving your client sort of like out there just navigating that world by themselves, trying to figure out what's going to work. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like I could have left her doing her manual emails and they could have looked better and she could have been on a better platform, but I'm not doing her a like a, any, any type of service by doing that. I'm, I'm really just at that point, you're just doing, you're doing a transaction. And that's mm -hmm. the last thing I would want to feel when I'm working with someone is that this mm -hmm. is just a project. This is just a one-off. This is a transaction. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, I, you grow as an expert in, mm -hmm. in the way that they're going to speak about you to other people as well, right? It's, I went to this person and I went to Mary Angelica for this thing. And then she told me I needed this thing. And this is how much better I am because of it. Um, it also positions you and your business in a much better light as well, as opposed to just being a, you know, kind of a pick and choose your own, you know, salad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. So all of this kind of just brings me to the topic of client experience, which, so for um, listeners who might not know in your like nine to five, so honest hustle is kind of like your side gig. And in your nine to five, you're a product designer, user experience designer. And I just personally think like when I look at your marketing, when I see your um, testimonials from your clients, I can just see so clearly how your expertise as a designer really comes out in your client experience. Cause I can tell that you're really thinking about what your client is going to experience going through the process of whatever creative project you're working on. So I would love to hear from you. How do you craft a really beautiful and easy and just like satisfying client experience so that every step of the way your client really feels like I'm getting the most out of this. I'm really enjoying this because really I do just see all your testimonials and I'm like, people are obsessed with working with you. Like they love it so much. And I want to know like, what, what's your secret sauce? How can the rest of us who provide creative services adopt that a little bit and just make sure that our clients are really, really excited about the work that we're doing? 
Thank you. Those are sweet words. Um, and I agree. I always like my heart melts every time. And I think, um, I mean, yes. So there's a few things I can think of right at the top of my head. And there's a few that I think are maybe not as obvious. The first one being that I true, I'm, I'm high, high believer in, in energy and just like, like energy attracts like energy. And so the more authentic and real I can be the, in the way that I position what I'm doing with my business, like honest hustle is named because I started it on mat leave and I knew I was going to have to go back to my job and it was going to be a hustle. Like it was going to be hard to figure out a way to make it work. But the honest piece came in because I didn't want to hide behind um, the idea that this was going to be like a walk in the park and I want it to be super real and super me throughout the process. And so, and that's also because I remember when I talked to you like a year ago and we talked about, about all of this, I was like, I don't even know if what I'm trying to build is a personal brand or a business brand. And I think, um, honest hustle is kind of a blend <laughs> at mm -hmm. this point of, of both, but definitely like energy attracts like energy in my mind. And so already right off the bat, if someone is reaching out to talk to me, even about the idea of working together, I already think like they're pretty cool and pretty special in my mind because in some way they were attracted to something that they saw that I've been putting out. And that just to me makes it, makes me already know that we're kind of on the same wavelength. Like we're probably the same kind of people. Like we're, we're going to work really well together. I just get into that kind of mindset with them. Um, and then in general, like the process there's two parts. One is obviously very technical, which is, you know, the legal part of it. How do you do your contracts? And um, when do you do invoices and all of these kinds of things? But the first thing I like to do is hop on a call. So I, I need to hear their voice or see them. I love doing FaceTime or actually I do a lot of Instagram video <laughs> with, uh, with clients when they reach out. So doing that actually gets me in a, in a place where I can actually hear them. I can like I said before, listen to what they're not telling me as opposed to just reading something in an email. So that already gets the conversation going in a really cool place because we're already talking ideas out. Like they might have already come with something. I'm already now talking about something else. And I hear the way they react to things. And I hear kind of what their involvement is with, with the business. And so it already feels like we're kind of creating this little relationship from the beginning. Um, from there, I mean, I like to, obviously I'm curious. So in, in holistic thinker, so I kind of need to know bigger picture stuff and and sometimes, and I've, I've just found sometimes in those calls, some things come out really quickly. Like I remember one client, we had a conversation and she came to me for a website and we ended up talking about, she was a mother who like her, her children had just, just finished graduating from college. And she was finally going to be like launching her business. And we just talked for a while over that. And that was um, a huge deal for her. So you know, connecting over like the emotional story part of why they're doing what they're doing, I think is super key. And the earlier you do that, the more you have to build on, right? It's like you're building a stronger foundation. Aside from that, it's, uh, you know, being super real with them and letting them be super real with you. I think that gets the conversation in a really good place. Um, and then what I like to do to make sure that, you know, we're always on the same page is after every call, I'd love to send a recap email so that there's no miscommunication. I'm always jotting a bunch of notes down just to make sure that, you know, you didn't hear one thing and assume something else. And so I think that's super clear, like clear communication is key with making sure that the experience is enjoyable because then you're setting yourself up for the correct expectations. You don't want someone to ever think you're delivering something you're not or expect something that you weren't ever expecting to, to, to send. And so that's, that's super key um, as well. And and then be an expert, right? Like stand by 
the decisions you're making. Um, I, I know that that comes with time and sometimes with experience. And I remember very early in not honest hustle days, but graphic design days. Um, I just said, I was like, I feel like I'm a pixel pusher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there's just, you know, clients, I want you to do this. And so you just feel like you have to. And the idea of telling a client, actually, I think this is what's best for you um, was really scary at the beginning, but but with honest health, so it's just been, um, I'm like, again, I'm trying to be as authentic as possible. And if I think that, you know, your, your obsession and love for purple is not going to suit your business, <laughs> then I'll tell you to kill, go buy all the purple shirts, but I'm not putting it in the logo. Like, yeah, I know it's not, it's not something that's going to work. So, um, you know, encouraging them to be a part of the process. Yes. But also re- like reminding them that this is why they hired you. Um, mm-hmm. and at the end, maybe just, you know, genuinely loving like what you're, what you're doing. And I think that translates super well uh, with clients knowing that you're super passionate about what you're providing for them. I love adding like little moments of delight throughout the experience. So the whole idea of over delivering is something I truly believe in, but moments of delight to me are like, this client told me she loved popcorn and I mailed her a box of popcorn, like randomly. And, um, you know, I have a candle maker client and making sure you put it on your phone on a calendar, like when it's candle maker day, you know, those like weird holidays that the world yeah, has, yeah. just like send them a message on that day and let them know you're, you know, that you, you remembered that, that they make candles. And this is like a day to celebrate candle makers. Like there's little treats like that, that I think also help you know, make it less like a project and, and just more of an experience. And I think that has helped a lot too. Oh man. I feel like you've just like shared so much wisdom in that. Like, I think overall what I can tell so much is like your attention to detail is just like remarkable that you're like looking for those little things of like, Oh, she loves popcorn. So I'm going to like send her popcorn. It's just like a reminder that I'm thinking of her. And I think all of it comes back to like building a true relationship and like really caring about the person that you're providing these services for. And like you said, just like really loving it and being passionate about it, because that's something that I see in all of your content and your Instagram stories. I just think like, wow, she really loves what she's doing. And I think like you were saying that energy it just is sent out into the world and people can see that. And then people that are interested in working with that kind of person are drawn to you. So I think that's awesome. One thing that I want to dive deeper into is you mentioned how back in your graphic design days, you were kind of feeling like a pixel pusher sometimes. And I definitely relate to that. Back when I was doing more freelance videography stuff, I would go and do like a a corporate video for a client or whatever. And they would say, okay, we want it to look exactly like this, include this, this, and this. And essentially all they were hiring me for was the fact that I had a camera and I knew how to edit video. And that's like so frustrating because you're like, oh, but I'm more creative. I want to solve a problem for you. I don't want to just bring your exact vision to life. So do you have any advice on how to kind of shift that narrative and start attracting more clients that understand you as a creative expert and less just as like a, what I would call like a keyboard monkey or just like somebody that knows how to do the technical side? Yeah, that's a really good question. I honestly, I think the the main reason why um, I haven't felt that at all with Honest Hustle is because I've been so open in sharing the behind the scenes of what the process looks like to create one of those videos. So, um, you know, at the very beginning, when, when specifically, we're going to talk specifically like one of my brand videos where I do it for, for a client or a business, um, with that project, I send a ton of questions ahead of time that are very story type questions. Um, I'm not here to talk to them about what kind of shots do you want? You know, I, those are not the decisions I want them to make. So I get already them to think about you're the expert in your story. Like this is what you're the expert in. I'm the expert in how we're going to visually share that so that it creates an emotional connection with the viewer. And that is kind of where that, um, 
balance of expertise comes in. You let them know that they're, you know, you own your story. This is your story. This is your business. Like this is the history of your business. We're trying to highlight here, et cetera. And a lot of the questions that are, that are in there are not just story, but also what do you want your, you know, the viewer to feel when they're done watching the video? What kind of actions do you want them to do when they're done watching it? Is it that you want them to book a call with you? Or is it that you just you want them to go buy something from your shop? Like, what is that we're trying to get at? Um, so I think the way you position a lot of the questions and that intro, like research work also helps position you as that expert, right? So that's the first part. Then the second part is that I, before a lot of those uh, video projects or even other projects that are highly creative like that, um, would create some sort of document that um, to, for both of us kind of aligns both pieces together. So uh, what that looks like for a brain video is creating a script or some sort of story write up of these are the kind of things we wanna make sure we hit in the video. And then I let them know that I'm going to go then through, I'm, I let the client know, hey, I'm gonna, now going to go through, now that we have the script ready, I'm going to go through and create a shot list of all the things that I think are going to make these emotional connections, um, you know, happen throughout this storytelling that we're doing. Um, and then, I mean, and then at, at that point, you've kind of already set yourself up as the person that's going to be making these decisions, like every step of the way, letting them know that from the very beginning, you know, you're kind of the owner, if we're talking in a project, you're kind of the owner of the visual storytelling, and they're the owner of like the authentic story that's being told and the voice like behind the actual video. That helps a lot. Um, you know, just setting up the expectation that you're going to show up and you have your shot list that you created and you're going to go through and make this thing happen this way. So a lot of that stuff has helped definitely to not ever have anybody say, you know, that they want something super specific. Um, but also it's knowing if they have that ahead of time. So some clients, especially with corporate, um, might have seen a ton of examples of videos that have been done in the past. And so they might like push those like examples on you. And I think having very honest conversations of saying, what do you love about this? And what do you not love about this? Here are some of the things I'm noticing. Like, I actually think it's super salesy when they say this part of the video and this part here looks super like stock, stock kind of video style. It doesn't feel authentic. Like these are the kind of things I would have changed in this video. Do you agree? Like finding a way to kind of um, maybe have those conversations ahead of time would also help them understand that you have an eye for something that they're not seeing and, and can start to build that trust that you are the expert in kind of what you're, what you're offering. Mm -hmm. I feel like having that clear communication, kind of framing yourself as an expert is all really important. And then I think what it all kind of comes down to as well is the confidence to say, you know what, if I present myself this way, if I'm clear that this is my process and they don't like this process, then I'm going to walk away because you do have to kind of feel like, you know, if they basically say it's either you're a pixel pusher or we're not hiring you, then you have to say, okay, you're not hiring me then. And I feel like that's tough sometimes to do that. For sure. And I think, um, it so depends where you are in life in terms of how uh, do you need to eat <laughs> from exactly. the payment of this video or not, right? So um, totally understand the idea of having to pay your dues for, for these kinds of things. I've been lucky enough to be able to grow this on the side and therefore have not... Uh, I have a full-time job income that, um, you know, allows me to be more, you know, selective of the things that I work on. Um, but I've not yet had to say no to a project specifically because I didn't find that connection worked. So 
um, yeah, it's definitely a give and take. You're, you know, I, I'm not saying that I'm never going to have to do that. It's like, it's going to happen at some point, I'm sure. But um, at that point, it's not going to feel, you know, you want to be able to feel proud of the things that you're creating as well. And I think the more into it you are, the more amazing work you're going to do. So if you're really so out of it, you're already, you know, dislike working with this kind of, you know, either client or person that you're, that you're sensing is really not truly believing in what you're capable of bringing in or not, not trusting you. It's just better to let it go and, and wait for something else to come through. But again, mm -hmm. it depends on what you need to survive. <laughs> exactly. I totally agree. Sometimes you just have to do what you got to do in order to get the paycheck. And then with the goal that moving forward, you know, in the future, you'd be able to be more selective about client work. So totally get that. So speaking of having the full-time job, building this on the side, and being a mom, I would love to hear how do you balance all that? I'm sure people probably ask you that all the time because you have like a million things going on. And I know I see on your Instagram stories all the time that you stay up like all hours of the night to work on Honest Tussle. Um, I don't know if you're doing that as much anymore, but for sure I've, I've seen that over my time knowing you. So I'm curious, in addition to just like being awake for 24 hours a day, how do you get everything done that you want to do? And where do you find that energy from? Because I feel like I'm only doing one thing and I'm like exhausted. So I'd love to hear your secret. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a question I get asked a lot. Um, yeah, I, I do sleep. Let's, let's clear that one up. I, I do okay, sleep. Good. I've just been blessed with um, what I call like not needing a lot of sleep. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I have some chip in me that um, just, I've always been a night owl. That's just, uh, that's just been me my entire life. I am not great in the mornings. So, you know, there's like all this stuff about, there's these books about um, the things that CEOs do or successful people do. They wake up at 4am and they go for oh, a workout yeah. and um yeah like that's you're not still awake at 4 a.m you're like uh, you yeah, haven't gone to bed yet <laughs> yeah so i'm i beat them to it um <laughs> but yeah so I'm, I'm definitely a night owl um in the sense that i i love being up late at night when everyone's sleeping um i love that uh it's not something i do every day it's 100 not something i do every day that's not uh sustainable i'm sure <laughs> i've not tried it um but uh but i yeah but i yeah when you're talking about energy i think it's more of um, the drive, right? So there's a lot of stuff that um, I find are the reasons that I have so much energy and passion towards like all the different things I'm trying to do. One of them is this like true need to not be one thing, right? So um, I have the full-time job and yes, I'm a mom and I'm a really good one. Like I spend time with my kid. Like I'm not like just doing my business and ignoring my child. Um, but I've always said, you know, business hours for honest hustle are after his bedtime. And so that means he goes to bed and then I sit down to work. And at the beginning, uh, it required much more time because you're building something new. You're learning so much like along the way. I didn't have so many things automated like I do now. I was writing captions like on the days of, <laughs> which as anyone who's listened to your content knows is a bad idea. And so <laughs> like there was a ton of stuff that I was, you know, not doing, I would say right. And therefore I needed a lot more hours because I needed to figure it out. Um, as time has gone on, I've been able to clean up a ton of automation stuff. So automating things is like my favorite thing to do now <laughs> because I'm trying to figure out how to do more of the creative stuff of my business and less of the admin work of my business uh, because I am a, 
alone in the in the in the business and so um i've been able to kind of lean on different tools uh online like i use later for and i believe that's what you use as well for yes later is my favorite Yes, later for social media. So, um, you know, batching a lot of the work that I do is super important for me. So, you know, if I need to, you know, write my content, I'll write it all kind of all in one go because that's, I'll do it when I'm most highly, you know, inspired and, and, and in that frame of mind. But I also do a ton of stuff that I think are the drivers of why I have no chill, <laughs> which is that, you know, like mindset plays a huge role in the way that I am. I need to listen or at this point it's listen. It used to be read, but like I legit do not hold many books in my hand these days. I just mm-hmm. read, uh, listen to them, listen or to podcasts or to audiobooks of things that are going to lift me up and are going to continue to remind me that I I'm totally on the right track to doing the things that I want to do. Um, I think working through really tough questions of why am I truly doing this? Like, I don't know many people that would choose to be up at 3 a.m. So why would I choose to be up at 3 a.m.? Like, what is that driving force like behind the stuff that I'm doing? I think that is super powerful and giving you that energy and that drive to want to do it and to feel energized while you're doing it. Um, I love uh, practices like visualizing your future and kind of really seeing yourself there and when you see that person, it's what is her, what does her schedule look like? Well, I'm pretty sure she's not staying up till three, (laughs) you know, two or three times a week, but this is the stuff that I'm doing now so that I then don't have to. So there's a lot of stuff around, you know, kind of the visualization, the mindset, the, the, that kind of energy work, like really truly believe, believing that, you know, wealth and success are 100% in my future. And I'm totally on the road to get there. I'm just, you know, I'm just on the road to get there. And this is all going to be part of a story I'll maybe tell on stage one day, right? Like this is just, Mm -hmm. this is just a part of a bigger thing. And so I think knowing all of that gives me a ton of um, drive and a ton of motivation to keep going. Um, But at the same time, it's, I believe that the phrase, I don't have time is a way to victimize ourselves. And I just refuse to be a victim (laughs) in this Mm -hmm. incredible like life that I have. So I'm not going to say I don't have time. There's a ton of other things I can say. I can say that's not important enough or I don't choose to prioritize that or I don't have the capacity for that right now or something, but I don't have time. I don't believe that that's real. I think, um, I think that's a, it's just, yeah, it's just a way that we can kind of soothe ourselves into thinking that, you know, that's why we're not achieving the things we're achieving. But I think if we really take a hard look, and I know it's uncomfortable to hear that, but if we take a hard look at when we say that phrase, um, what are we really saying? Um, you know, I don't have time mm-hmm. also means like, I don't really want to give up Netflix. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. also means like, I don't really want to meal prep. I'd rather just cook my meals every single night. I'm trying to figure out how to maximize the days, the, the time I have. And so mm-hmm. um, I think those are all a variety of the, of the ways that I kind of been able to do all the, all the things so far. And um, I am due right with, with, with a second kid in a few days um, <laughs> for the podcast listeners. I cannot yes. see my ginormous belly. Um, so I know that things will change. Like I know I'm going to have to adapt for a period of time. Um, but I won't say I don't have time for my business. I'll say right now I'm choosing to spend time with my newborn. And that was my decision. Mm-hmm. I chose all of these things. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if that answers the question as a whole, but, um, those yeah, are I, I definitely think that you're right about like, so often we say, 
I don't have time. But what we're really saying is I don't have time for that or like I don't want to prioritize time for that. Like it's a specific sort of thing because, yeah, like I spend like all this time on TikTok and Netflix and all this stuff. And I think it's okay. Like you were mentioning, like if you want to say, you know what, I I'm not saying I don't have time for my business, but I'm saying right now I am choosing to prioritize my family or whatever it is. That's an okay decision to make. And if, you know, right now you're feeling like, you know what, I actually do want to prioritize just my chill with Netflix time. That's okay too. Like, but it is a decision that you're making and you have to make the best one for you and your mental health like now, but then also thinking about your future self and how you can kind of help her out. And I love that you mentioned the visualization thing because I feel like this is something that people are starting to talk about a lot now, but I never really thought of this that way. But like when I was younger, especially I remember like I would like lie in bed at night just thinking of my future and being like, this is what my life will be like when I have a vlogging camera. Like as a teenager wishing I would have like a second camera for my YouTube channel or like this is what Katie in, you know, grade 12 will look like or whatever and just pictured it. And I kind of did that as like for fun or just like because I always like dream of the next thing. I'm always thinking about what my next move is going to be. But I never like it's only kind of now that I'm realizing, oh, yeah, like I was kind of making like a vision board in my mind in a way of like what my future was going to be. So I think that that is really powerful. That's so cool that you were doing that before it was cool. (laughs) Before Pinterest told us to do it. (laughs) Honestly, I I feel like kind of silly talking about it now because it was really just my like own, I don't know, like self-soothing thing, but also just being like, yeah, someday I'm going to do this and that. Like in a way, because I wasn't like 100% satisfied with where I was in my present. And like, I don't know if I ever will be which is also something that I'm kind of like trying to navigate as I'm always feeling about like what's that next thing but I don't know it's a balance of being content but then also kind of like dreaming up your next big move yeah and uh, honestly I think um I the natural part of you wanting to think ahead is it is a beautiful part of us right it's this amazing thing that we have called imagination <laughs> and yeah. we can think of things that we cannot see and i think that is so powerful it's just it's so incredibly powerful in crafting you know the realities that we kind of want to choose and decide that we want to live and i think a lot of the a lot and, and it helps obviously when you read things that reinforce those feelings and those thoughts because then you feel just so, so much more grounded in knowing that you know yeah this is this is totally right for me this is totally where i'm meant to go uh, you know some people take books some people use religion some people have friends that friend groups that get together and they they talk about these things and they think about their future that way but um it kind of everyone has a different driving force and i think once you come up with what is that thing for you um i think it's going to be a lot easier to be able to visualize this future i mean uh, honestly just putting everything out there and i know you're super goal driven as well and you write down your goals and we're very similar and we're katie and i are the same person yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> we're twins <laughs> we're twins um I think that also has had a huge, uh, a huge impact. And I was sharing this the other day, but um, with, with my husband and with a few close friends, and I'll share it on your podcast with however many thousands of people are listening now, but basically, (laughs) um, you know, at the beginning of the year, so I started my business in June, which I mean of last year, which is, uh, you know, 2019 and uh, you are on mat leave. You're kind of just starting, you're coming up with a ton of different things clients are yes coming here and there but it's still super early mm-hmm. so in January I sat down and I was like okay so here's where I'm gonna this is kind of the start of the new year and um like official new like January uh for my business so I'm going to write down my goals and I think writing that stuff down also has a huge impact in 
what you're, what you know you're working towards. So aside from yes, working towards this grand vision that, you know, I have for three years, you know, Mary Angelica from now, mm-hmm. I also have a very detailed, like breakdown financially of what I want to earn. And I want to make sure that I'm hitting these goals and I have, you know, small goals and like lofty big goals. And I think knowing that number and having that number in your head and being able to visualize those numbers is so key for attracting that into your business and into your life. So um, I am super, so what we were celebrating was that in June, which is halfway through the year, I hit the year goal that I had set for Honest Hustle. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a huge, um, and it was like my big lofty one. It was like the, as if it was the, you know, what it would be amazing if, or like, how crazy would it be if, right? It's that, but because I wrote the number down, I knew how much I knew the number per month I needed to make to hit that for the year. And every month that I exceeded that number, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, that's wild. Like, and I, and that number is just so visually like ingrained in my, Mm -hmm. in my head. And so it's so much easier for me to work towards that. And again, not to say that this is like, I'm trying to do this for the, for making that money or whatever, but, but I am also trying to make money, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the other part yeah. too. I'm, this isn't, I guess I have a full-time job right now, but I'm going to have two kids and I don't know what life looks like post two kids if I, or choose to return to a, a, a day job, a nine to five. Mm-hmm. So I have to be, you know, the logical part of me, the part of me that has a ton of money issues from like history and from childhood has to have, you know, pretty well figured out because I'm not going to make, you know, a silly decision um, without, you know, thinking about my family and making sure that this business is sustainable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, knowing that that's also a part of it. Yes. We can talk about mindset and feeling really good and wanting our businesses to do well, but at the same time, like if you have, if you don't have these goals, you don't really know what you're working towards. You don't know what you need to live on. You haven't made a budget. All of these different things are super important. Um, and I think are also a huge driving force because I know that if I keep on this track, even if I have to stay up late here and there, um, you know, this, these, I, this is how, and this is why I'm achieving the things I'm achieving. So I think, you know, the, writing that stuff down, I know you, you've spoken about that a lot before too, but writing that stuff down is super key. It's, it helps you visualize it so much more clearly. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that. So now we've reached the portion of the show where I want to transition to what I would call my like, I'm curious slash nosy slash I love to know the process behind other creators and how they create their stuff. So I've got my kind of like rapid fire questions, which you can answer these as rapidly as you want or, you know, as slowly doesn't matter. But I'm always curious and I feel like listeners might be curious too. the kind of more tangible pieces behind your creative process. So my first question is, let's talk gear. What kind of camera do you use for photography and videography? Is it the same one, different ones, whatever? I want to know. Photography, I use Canon. I've been a Canon baby my whole life, similar to you. And similar to you, we made the switch to video for Sony. Yeah. Because Sony just rocks with video. So um, so yeah, I use uh, an 80D, a Canon 80D for photo. Uh, haven't needed to upgrade it it's a beautiful camera and Mm -hmm. i love it and it's my baby and then i use a sigma uh 35 millimeter millimeter lens it's like my favorite one with love that uh, with that with that camera and that's what i tend to use for photos for video and for all the video projects i've done i've been using the sony camera so 6500 um 6600 being the the newer one but yeah sony all the way and then um uh i don't know how to say i don't know what the the proper way to say it is, but it's a stabilizer is the Zymfu or. Oh, Zion Crane. 
yes, that, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> the Sayum crane yes. um, is what I use to, um, to do a lot of the shots um, on video with. Love that. I'm also, I'm a big fan of Sony as well. So I totally feel that. Okay. Next question. How do you build websites for yourself and your clients? I know you build like amazing, beautiful websites for your clients. So I want to know, do you have a go-to platform or do you use different ones depending on the situation? Um, no, I all, I only use Squarespace for my clients and I, I started on WordPress myself, but I, uh, because I'm trying to educate clients as I go and I want them to be able to feel like they can go in and add a page or change text or make changes on their own, on their, on their own. I would just, that's the platform I feel is the most user-friendly for them. And it's super beautiful and they've done so many updates to it. It's just the best thing ever. So Squarespace, yeah, 100%. Yes. Another way we are twins also started out on WordPress, but now I'm a big fan of Squarespace. So totally agree. So what's your favorite way to edit photos and videos for clients? What software do you use? Photos. Um, I use Lightroom 100% love Lightroom and, um, for video. Um, so I use premiere Adobe premiere to edit all video. Um, I do use Adobe Adobe audition to edit some audio. If I need to do like some edits to voiceover, um, and very little after effects. Um, I've not really needed it for a lot of the, the stuff I, that I do. But if I have a need for something, um, I'm also pretty quick to learn. So I'll, if I need to do something on After Effects and haven't touched that program in a while, I'll go to my handy YouTube, find something that I need and then follow a tutorial to get it done. Love that. So last question um, with regards to your tech and your favorite software, what are your go-to apps for organization and project management? You obviously have a lot going on. So do you use any tech to keep it all organized or are you like a handwritten bullet journal kind of person? Um, so I, it has shifted over time. So I, when I started, I used um, Trello for, uh, because it was free and I used it to just keep track of leads, keep track of projects. I would just move like clients along my little, you know, man-made funnel of <laughs> where people are on, on track. I also used it to like um, keep a lot of ideas there. The main thing I used to keep track of projects with clients um, for the most part is Google Drive. That helps a lot. We just create a shared folder. We, we host a ton of stuff on there. Um, but also HoneyBook is um, one of the ones that I've used. It's really, it's made for creative. So it's really perfect. And it kind of has a one-stop shop for uh, a lot of the automation features that I definitely live off of. So HoneyBook is a huge, um, a huge help when it comes to just automating a ton of stuff for me. Awesome. All right. I have one final like big question for you. And that is if you could time travel back to you, like right before you started your business. So let's say like, I guess we'll say May of like 2019, because that's right before like Honest Hustle was born. What advice would you want to give to you then um, looking back on your journey and how far you've come? And then also along with that, maybe that would be similar advice to what you would give to someone who's also just starting out on their journey. Yeah. Gonna end on a tough question, Katie. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think the advice would be the same for either myself or for anyone else who's just about to start. Um, and I think it's that um, for someone like me who is an impatient person, I do not find myself to be overly patient. Um, I would say <laughs> to start now and then tweak and modify as you go. Um, there is so much need 
when we see Instagram feeds and we see subscriber counts and we see Instagram followers to feel like we need to have the thing super well figured out and perfect before we like hit launch or start the thing or start even talking about what we want to do. Um, but I think just starting with where you're at, the gear you have, the stuff you have, what you have to offer, and then just iterate and modify as you go. It comes from probably my, <laughs> my product design background of just like put something out there see how it works see how people react you know talk to your audience and like even if there's 10 of them and figure out you know why they're there and then modify as you go until you're happy with it I can I can say very clearly that in May of 2019 I did not set out to create a one-stop creative agency called Honest Hustle (laughs) I thought I was going to be making videos and that is it I set out to make brand videos because I thought that was going to be perfect. And I didn't think I'd be using my graphic design background for branding and for website creation, but it ended up happening fluidly along the way. And I felt comfortable adding things on, feel comfortable adding things on, feel comfortable taking things away. You know, it's so easy. I think you've actually talked about this in one of your videos about it's so easy to test things out when you have a small audience, you can just kind of be more creative and playful and move things around and see what works and what makes you happy and what doesn't. So I would just tell that person similar to myself in May is breathe, don't worry about getting it perfect. Just put it out into the world and then iterate. Um, you know, that's, that's the, that's the way we're going to build when we don't, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're building. Mm -hmm. We're just doing the best we can. And then we're editing and tweaking as we go. Um, and then we get to go on a podcast and sound like we have our (laughs) everything together, but I, you know, as much as I can visualize myself three years from now, I have no idea what I'm eating for dinner. So (laughs) like, you know, just go with the flow. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that advice. And thank you so much for joining me on my first ever interview episode of Creator Club and sharing your wisdom. So would you like to let everybody know where they can find more about you online? Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I love you so much. I adore watching you on the internet, the scary internet <laughs> yes. on YouTube. I, I love everything you're doing. And I think this um, this is a super cool uh, new track for, for your podcast. So I'm so happy and honored to be on it. Um, yes. Honest Hustle is can be found at honesthustle.ca and honest.hustle on Instagram. And for anything that I mentioned, like any of the automation stuff, that's honesthustle.ca slash automation. And any of the actual cameras and gear that I use is on honesthustle.ca slash resources. So that's how they can get to all of the things we talked about. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Creator Club podcast. If you listen to this entire episode, I want to know who you are send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Steckley so we can chat. Do you want to be part of the official creator club? You can join my insider squad Facebook group by going to katiesteckley.com club. I'd love to see you there. Finally, if you're looking for more value packed content like this, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com Katie. Go to my channel and search Instagram hacks and I promise you won't be disappointed. If you want to hear more episodes like this and support this show to continue, please leave me a review in iTunes. It really helps me out. And you just might get featured on the next episode as the review of the week. Leave your IG handle in the review so I can give you a shout out. Again, thanks so much for listening. And as always, I hope you are having adventures and following your dreams. And I'll catch you next week, Creator Club.